How aware are you? You're probably aware that mammograms are a great way to detect breast cancer. And that regular, moderate walking can be good for heart health. But are you aware that the fifth most common cancer in the United States is uterine cancer? And that the average age at diagnosis is 60? Well, I definitely wasn't when I was diagnosed with endometrial cancer at the age of 32. And that's exactly what inspired this podcast. We are Mary and Alex, a mother-daughter duo engaged in multi-generational dialogue surrounding subjects related to gynecologic cancer, women's healthcare, and various other topics that impact our daily lives. We are Down There Aware. Welcome back to another episode of Down There Aware. I'm Alex, and um, I'm here alone today, uh, but it's Mother's Day. I'm about to go head out and hang out with my mama. You know her, Mary. And I am so, so excited today um, because we did, in our very first season, we did a whole series about infertility awareness, pregnancy loss awareness. Um, And we interviewed several women who had experienced this trial in their lives. And Today, uh, right around Mother's Day, I have some super exciting news. One of the young women that we interviewed, Trisha, um, you may remember her. She was my sorority sister. She had experienced several pregnancy losses. Um, She has just given birth to her first child. Um, We are so, so excited for her and so happy um, that her story, which was sad at the time um, of recording, has turned out to be so joyous. And to give our listeners just a little bit of hope that if you are going through this, it is not the end of the road. um, And there could be light at the end of the tunnel like there was for Trisha. So please enjoy this episode um, with the knowledge that Trisha is right now holding her sweet baby um, and celebrating her today. And today we have a very special guest. We have one of my sorority sisters, Trisha, joining us. Trisha is a clinical social worker, musician, nature lover, and arts enthusiast out of North Carolina. She has a specialty in working with people experiencing eating disorders and body image distress, practicing from a health at every size approach. Thank you so much for joining us, Trisha. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. So could you give us just, um, you know, we're talking about pregnancy loss and infertility this month and into November. Um, Could you give us a brief overview before we kind of dig in about what your experience has been? Sure. Yeah. And this is such a great topic. I'm really glad that y'all are covering it. Um, I, um, in terms of my experience, um, for, for many, many years, um, I'm 33 now. And for many years, um, my long-term was in a long-term relationship, which he's now my husband. And we were thinking a lot about, you know, whether to have kids, when to have kids, the right time to have kids. And for a very long time, I was like, no, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. (laughs) Um, and then, you know, I, I thought that, um, because I had never had any experiences and no one in my personal life had had any issues with pregnancy loss. 
that I kind of figured it might be easy. Um, Well, not easy, but like the process would Mm -hmm. be um, easier than it has turned out to be. Um, So essentially, um, we decided about two and a half years ago that we were ready to start trying. Um, And um, I got pregnant right away. Um, and it was, uh, exciting and surprising. And I, um, was experiencing some pain that I wasn't sure if it was normal. And so I made an appointment. I didn't have an OB at the time and I made an appointment and went in and, um, this was in August of 2018. Um, that was my first experience with, um, pregnancy loss. Um, when I went in, he informed me that, Things didn't look very normal, that it was still very early, so it's hard to tell, but he thought maybe I was having what's called an ectopic pregnancy, mm-hmm. um, which is when the pregnancy um, develops outside of the uterus. It's usually in the fallopian tube, but can be in other places. And so, I I mean, I had heard the term, but mm-hmm. I didn't know much about it. Um, but he did some lab work. He did what's called an HCG level Um which indicates, you know, how far along in the pregnancy you are. And they expect that number to double at a certain rate. And mine wasn't doubling. Mm. And so I got the call um, about a week later, your HCG level actually dropped and they Mm. couldn't find the pregnancy. Mm -hmm. They couldn't see it in my tube. They couldn't see it in my uterus. And they said, I think you're having an ectopic pregnancy. We don't know where it is. Uh, You need to come to the hospital. So Um, went to the hospital and, um, admitted to the hospital and they administered a drug called methotrexate, which is a drug that's used in a lot of different ways. Um, but it is used in, in one way for ectopic pregnancy. It basically, um, interferes with the development of cells and, um, it's primarily used as a cancer medication. So any cells that are dividing, they tend to, uh, the medication works against those cells. And so um, they gave me a shot, said, hopefully this works because Mm. sometimes it doesn't. Um, And um, I then had to continuously kind of go back in and get my labs drawn over the next couple of weeks to make sure that that HCG level went back down to zero where it is expected to be when the pregnancy is ended. Mm. So that was a bit of a nightmare Um, because we had not anticipated any of those things happening. It was super weird because Mm. they couldn't find the pregnancy. Um, And so we were like, well, okay, let's give it some time. Um, So after that, um, with the methotrexate, there are risks of birth defects and complications if you don't wait long enough to get Mm. pregnant afterwards. So we waited six months and then reassessed and I wasn't quite ready still. And so we waited a little bit longer. And then in June of 2019, we tried again, got pregnant right away. Mm. And we were like, oh, what a blessing because I have friends who tried for months and years to get pregnant yeah. and, and they, they can't. And so, um, so we were like, oh, this is the one, like, this is going to be better. And by this time I had a better OB, one that I, I liked more and um, had done some research in the, in the meantime. So um, got the positive pregnancy test, called my OB because I had a previous ectopic pregnancy. I'm at much higher risk for other ectopic pregnancies. Mm-hmm. And so 
immediately when I get the first pregnancy test that comes back positive, the protocol is call immediately, come in like the next day, early, early, early intervention. So I called, I went in and we were like, okay, uh, your ACG level is a lot higher this time. So it's probably doubling. It's early yet. Let's just wait and see. Okay. Did an ultrasound, did the whole nine. And I mean, it's, it's early yet, like six weeks, seven weeks. There's not a whole lot to see. And um, continue to check my HCG levels, which were rising pretty appropriately. Um, but the ultrasounds were coming back negative. They still weren't mm. seeing a pregnancy in the uterus. And so um, what's really interesting, I know I didn't know what I didn't know. Um, but mm-hmm. what's really interesting is that certain parts of the pregnancy will develop in the uterus. And so they gave me that information and said, it's still too early. Let's just wait and see. And it ended up being that no pregnancy ended up developing in the in the uterus again. Mm. And so she was like, we got to figure out what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like two times, bam, bam. It really seems yes. like something that, um, you know, there should be a reason for it. Right. And and I'm pretty type A. I like to have reasons mm-hmm. for things. And so I was like, let's figure it out. So um, I really trusted her and do trust her. She's an excellent doctor, still my doctor now. Um, and so she said, let's do a laparoscopy. Let's see if we can find the pregnancy. Maybe it's in your tube. We think it might be in your tube. Mm-hmm. Um, so I said, okay. It, it was clear that the pregnancy wasn't going to develop normally. Mm-hmm. And so we did a laparoscopy. So they made an incision in my belly button and then near my, like down in my pelvic area, mm-hmm. like in the, in the front. And, um, and during that surgery, not only did she find the pregnancy in the right tube, um, but she also diagnosed me with endometriosis at that time. Uh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So that gave us some information about like, oh, this is why this is happening. Because mm-hmm. for years and years, I've had symptoms of um, like pelvic pain and period pain and abdominal pain and for, for no cause, apparently. And now we know that I've had endometriosis. And um, thankfully, it's not it's a it's a moderate case of endometriosis mm-hmm. at this point. Um, and so um So um, she removed my right tube um, and um, treated the endometriosis a little bit. It's kind of hard to treat, but she did her best. Um, And then stitched me up and and did a DNC to make sure that the tissue in my uterus was removed. Okay. So I wouldn't get an infection. That that was, um, again, I I didn't know what I didn't know. I learned Mm -hmm. a lot through that experience and... um, after that surgery, it took a long time for me to heal physically. Yeah. Like it, it was a, a major uh, procedure having a tube removed. And, um, and so that took a while for the, for the healing to actually happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, last fall, my husband and I were finally like, okay, well, um, I'm healed up. You know, we mm-hmm. waited about five months that time. Um, and said, like, let's just let's sh- do it. Let's shoot for it. So tried again, got pregnant immediately. Um, this time, this was in November, last November. This time there was a pregnancy in the uterus and we were like, oh, it's happening. 
Okay. Like it can be done because the, the damage from the endometriosis was apparent on the other tube that I have, mm-hmm. but it still was open, um, apparently. So, um, that was good news. It's like, okay, this is possible. Like I can mm-hmm. have a pregnancy in the uterus. So we were like, yes, went to the doctor, still at a pretty high risk for ectopic, even higher now. So mm-hmm. really early, Lots of early intervention, lots of early scanning and blood levels. And um, and um, my doctor did the, the vaginal ultrasound and said, I see the yolk sac. I see all the things that are supposed to be there. I don't know all the terms, but she said, I see everything that's supposed to be there, but it's measuring a little small. I said, okay, let's just watch it. Weeks and weeks go by. Um, about eight weeks in, she said, there's a, there's an embryo, but it is not developing and there is no heartbeat. Mm. So that was obviously pretty devastating because it was the first time that I actually had a pregnancy in the uterus. And we were really hopeful that because we sort of bypassed the endometriosis issues, um, that it would uh, solve the, solve the other problems that we were having. And unfortunately, um, that didn't happen. So, um, had a DNC in December mm. of 2019. Um, and, um, I, I also have a thyroid, I have a Hashimoto's thyroiditis, mm. which is an autoimmune condition that essentially impacts your thyroid function. And it turned out that my thyroid function was like way off when mm. I had this miscarriage, even though it had been checked regularly. So, um, Again, as a person who likes to know why, there's not a lot of answers in terms of why that miscarriage happened. Um, but you know, we uh, we we got some information um, and you know treated the thyroid issues you know that I've, I've mm-hmm. been having since I was a kid and um, and uh, and then you know it, it's come down to what's next. Right. So had three, three losses kind of right in a row, not that long in between. Um, And uh, this year we took a break. (laughs) This is a good year to take a break, I think. (laughs) Yes. Partially because of the pandemic and also just emotionally speaking, it was, it was time for a break. Um, And um, especially after just the, the devastation of, the intrauterine pregnancy. Um, so, um, that sort of brings us to now, um, the I've been on, I've continued my journey over the summer, um, since, well, I guess the spring and the summer, and now we're entering fall, um, in, uh, making sure that I'm taking the best care of myself that I can making Mm -hmm. sure that there are no other underlying issues. And in the, in the interim, I was also diagnosed with PCOS, Mm -hmm. which, is another reason why I'm at much higher risk of miscarriage and other things. And so really focused on um, self-care and, um, you know, reassessing uh, where my priorities are. Um, And so I'm happy to report that my husband and I have not given up and we continue to try. We just started trying again soon. So hopefully things will turn our way. Um, But that's a little bit about my story. Man, three major losses in, you know, just over a whole, a year over the whole time period. And so, you know, how does that, you touched on it a little bit, but 
you know, how did, has that affected you emotionally? Um, you know, how have you been able to push forward and say, okay, let's try again. What, um, has kind of gotten you there? Hmm, that's a great question. Um, so during the first loss, I experienced a lot of shock, um, and sadness and, and fear just because, I had always believed that my reproductive system was working normally because my periods are normal. And like, I didn't have any other indication that anything was really wrong aside from the pain that I kind of got used to that I mentioned. Um, and again, I didn't know how much I didn't know. Like that's, that's mm -hmm. sort of my motto about this and my journey. Um, and I, I will also say that I experienced some guilt um, and, um, just guilt about, you know, things not going the right way, things, things in my body that I felt like I should be able to control, which obviously I can't. Um, but a little bit of responsibility and sadness for my husband that he mm -hmm. also isn't having the he's experiencing these losses alongside me, you know. Mm -hmm. So, um, so the first time was a lot of shock. The second was um, just felt really heavy. You know, we we had talked for months about what we were going to choose to do after the first time. And um, we're really trying to just look on the bright side of, um, you know, what's the likelihood that this is going to happen again? And, mm -hmm. and then we found out. Um, and so the, the second loss was just very, very heavy, um, very heavy. And recovering from surgery and coming to terms with losing a tube was also really challenging just yeah. because like, that's a part of my body. Mm -hmm. Um, the, 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 the time between the second and the third pregnancies, um, was pretty difficult too. Although I got a little bit desensitized, honestly, after the, the trauma of the first couple of times, it was just yeah. sort of like, you know what, whatever happens, happens. Mm. Um, so, um, I don't know if that was the healthiest way to approach it, um, <laughs> but that's what I did. So uh, I, I definitely, going into the third pregnancy, f felt cautiously optimistic because it was mm -hmm. a uterine pregnancy, um, but it was a new level of disappointment because of just a different type of loss that it was. And so yeah. it it took a lot of time to to heal physically and emotionally. It took a lot of time for me to figure out what I needed emotionally. Um, I got involved with a, uh, a therapist who is, um, um, she works out of the fertility center that I now go to. Mm -hmm. uh, so she knows exactly what I'm experiencing and that she, this is what she specializes in. Wow. Um, so that was really helpful just because she is able to give me support in a way that, that not a lot of therapists can, can give, mm -hmm. um, just because that is what she specializes in and this is what her, her experience is. So, yeah. um, so that was really helpful, but it, it definitely has been a heavy time. Um, just a lot of overwhelming days, mm -hmm. um, but really do try to take it one day at a time. Yeah. In dealing with the emotional aspect of each of the losses, and I, I know you said your therapist really helped a lot, but I'm curious, did your doctors help at all with your emotional state or were they pretty much honed in on your physical recovery each time? 
Yeah. So uh, my first doctor um, that I found um, immediately following my first positive pregnancy test, um, his office was not great in the sense that their communication was not very good. And my experience with them wasn't wasn't awesome. The doctor himself was very I could tell that he was invested in my care and, um, you know, very direct. And I appreciate that. Um, And so. I I knew after the first loss that I needed to find a new doctor and I am so blessed that I found the doctor that I have now. Um, She is wonderful. She spends a lot of time with me. She has given me hugs when I get bad news. Even when my husband's there, she's kind of, you know, what do you need? Um, She's very attentive, often asks me about my mental health Mm. um, and really challenged the pressure that I was putting on myself every time I kind of came in. Um, and I was like, we got it. She's like, take it easy. (laughs) (laughs) She was really good in terms of offering me some perspective, um, and, and helping me through the loss, the second and third losses, the surgeries I've had. Um, and I'm very, very grateful for her. Oh, that's awesome. Now, was the just to clarify, the reason for taking that uh, fallopian tube was uh, endometriosis? Was it just yeah. tube impacted? Yeah. So um, when she uh, did the laparoscopy, she did locate the 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 pregnancy, the ectopic pregnancy was in that tube the second time for sure. So she located that. And sometimes when they do the surgeries, they can save the tube. It just depends on the the Mm. quality of the tube and if the tube is damaged. And because of the endometriosis, my tube was so damaged Uh um, that she, she really didn't feel like she had a choice to, to save it. Um, And alongside that um, she believes that my first pregnancy was also likely in the, toward the end of that tube, because she's in very medical terms. She said it was really jacked up. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, well, I'm glad you took it then. because (laughs) Like it's, clearly not working right. So, yeah. mm. so, um, so that was the outcome of, of that, but yes, it was the endometriosis kind of coupled with, um, one very clear ectopic pregnancy and the presumption that the other had also occurred in that tube. Mm. That makes mm. sense, man. Yeah. So your doctors were helpful. Obviously your husband was a great support for you. Um, and you also found that therapist who really focused on infertility. Um, Mm -hmm. did you seek out a support group of people who had the same experience as you? Yes. I'm so glad that you asked this because like, I'm a, like I said, but like you said, I'm a clinical social worker. And so I'm all about therapy and groups and Mm -hmm. they're so important. So that's actually how I found the therapist that I'm seeing now. I forgot to mention that. So that support group is so important. Um, At first, after my first loss, I didn't realized that I needed that. And Mm -hmm. I, it was not until after my second loss when I really was like, I really need some support. I need to be in a group of people who get it. And, um, it has been a a godsend. I, it's a once a month group and we meet, um, well, we were meeting in person, but obviously now (laughs) not not so much. Um, but it's a group of women who get it. It's a group of women who've experienced all different kinds of losses and, um, who are at all different parts of their their fertility journeys, and it's a great great resource. I highly recommend it. 
That's Uh really wonderful to be able to find people who, you know, know what you're going through. I know for me, um, that was one of the first things I did when I got my cancer diagnosis, I got on Facebook and, you know, I was physically, I was in Pittsburgh. And so I was like, what am I going to do? And so I just searched and, um, you know, we had been told over and over, it's so rare to be so young and get this. And I was like, surely there are other young people. And sure enough, I found young women with endometrial cancer was the title of the group. And so, um, I know that that group has really been, um, a support and even, you know, like you said, even through this pandemic, just being virtual, being able to experience and talk to people who have the same experience as you, um, has just been really invaluable. So, um, I'm glad to hear that, you know, other people, um, are finding, uh, a good support in having people around them and that, you know, we're, we're creatures of community and it's yeah. really important to, to make sure that we surround ourselves with, um, good people who, who can help you out and, and really be empathetic to what you're going through. Yes, absolutely. Invaluable. That's a great word uh, yeah. for it because it, 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 there's nothing else like it. There really isn't. Right. Yeah. Well, in dealing with your loss, have you personally, or you and your husband as a couple, um, chosen to, have any kind of um, memorializing or traditions for each of the losses? Um, or do you remember it in any specific way? Yeah. Yes. Um, so my husband is, my husband is one who um, deals with things very privately and very mm-hmm. internally. And so for a long time, I felt kind of lonely in experiencing mm-hmm. it. I mean, I know he's here, he's 100% supportive, but the way that we process those things are very different. And yeah. so I, I didn't figure out a way for me to really honor that. I was still really shocked, really grieving mm-hmm. until months later, a very dear friend of mine sent me a necklace that it just showed up one day, like I just mm-hmm. out of nowhere. And there was a necklace and it had a small angel charm and it had a small gemstone that represented the birthstone of the date of the loss, uh. my first, my first loss. And I burst into tears. At first, I was like, what is this? And then it said like a, it had like a little memo or like a very small note. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just lost it. Mm-hmm. And of course, my, my, my in-laws were visiting at the time. And so I was like, I ran upstairs to my bedroom and I was like, ah, you know, I was, I was, it was not a nice moment, but it was so telling that I have needed a way to really remember and to honor these losses. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the time, it was just that that first loss. And so um, I was hoping to never have to add to that. But I, I right. have purchased the same, just a seller on Etsy. I've purchased the same necklace for each of my other losses. Um, and I have a, a box where I keep them. And I've, I've written some poetry and some journal, and you know, I've done some journaling um, to really honor that. But, um, but yeah, I, they're very, very meaningful to me. And that's really important information for our listeners that gives them some ideas of how they can work through some of the grief in a mm-hmm. positive way. It's so cool that you have been able to take such great loss and put it into not only just moving forward, right, but making your life better, making your husband's life better, um, connecting with people to make their lives better. Um, 
So what reactions did you get from people in your network um, who were that were really good? What um, like what would you recommend for someone who has a friend dealing with a similar kind of loss? Yeah. Yeah. When you ask that, it also it dawns on me like, oh, there's a lot not to say. Um, <laughs> um, yes, we definitely know that for sure. <laughs> some of I will say some of the most helpful things have been. I'm here for you. Like simple, direct. I'm here for you. What do you need? How can I help? Even if it's just sitting and crying together, we don't mm-hmm. have to talk about it. just being willing to show up at, you know, well, pre-pandemic, any time of day at my house, <laughs> you know, um, and just sit with me and just be sad about it or be like talk on the phone and just be sad about it and let, let me vent and cry and just support me. My support network has been incredible with um, showing up in that way. And so th- my biggest piece of feedback would be, I'm here for you. I'm really sorry that's happening. Um, not, uh, it happens for a reason. Everything happens yeah. for a reason. And um, maybe you should stop trying for a while or, yeah. you know, those kinds of things, which people inherently say, obviously yeah. to try to make themselves feel a little better. Right. Um and, and with great intention, um, but this just unconditional outpouring of whatever you need, I, I'm, I'll try to meet and knowing that uh, they mean it when they say that, mm-hmm. that, that is my, my biggest probably piece of advice. Um, well, yeah. and in looking back, um, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. Uh, is yeah. there anything that you think now you might have done differently? I know you said a couple different times, you don't know what you don't know. And I think that's significant um, because you can only react a certain way with what information you have. But um, Mm -hmm. is there anything you can think of in talking with others that you might do differently because of what you know now? (laughs) Yeah. Ah, Sometimes I have what my therapist tells me are very natural thoughts about uh, the what ifs. Uh, (laughs) And what I know (laughs) as a therapist is really natural. Um, Like, you know, what if I had exercised more or what if we had tried earlier or, mm. you know, things, things like that. And I I really have to come back to um, I did what I could do at the time. You know, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready to have a kid before we started trying, I wasn't ready. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it's really disappointing that it hasn't worked out yet. Um, But that doesn't mean that I would have been any more ready back then. And so, yeah, do I wish I had been ready sooner so that we could have had perhaps a better better prognosis? Like, yeah, sure. And like, I I don't think there's anything I actually could have done differently Mm -hmm. to to prepare myself for that, if I'm being honest. Um, Well, and I think that's real important to be mm -hmm. honest with yourself about that and just absolve yourself of any kind of responsibility to have done it differently. I I think that's an important step. Well, and especially when you've had, you know, three real spontaneous miscarriages Mm -hmm. that there's, you know, there's a factor of endometriosis. There's a factor of your thyroid condition there. You know, there are these small factors, but it sounds like no one really can pinpoint this happened on this day and this is what caused this. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's nice to be able to rest assured and you are doing everything you can 
Right. And sometimes our bodies are chaos, our <laughs> lives are chaos, and we can't predict what's going to happen. And so um, I think being able to be com- comfortable in that place is really important. Yeah, that's exactly, you know, and I, I think that, I think that um, my doctor has also done a really great job of reminding me that there's nothing I could have done differently. There's nothing I did that caused it mm-hmm. uh, to happen. And endometriosis is not preventable, mm-hmm. really. A thyroid conditions, not preventable. None of the right. things that I have are actually preventable. Right. Um, and so um, even if they were, you know, it's there's there would still be complicated, but they're not. And so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's not much I can really do aside from the day to day trying to just take the best care of myself that I can eat what I want, not stress out about it, mm-hmm. um, you know, get a little bit of movement here and there and uh, just follow up on the medical side. Yeah. 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 Oh, man, your story is so powerful, Tricia. And I am just so grateful first to know you, um, <laughs> but also that you um, were willing to come on and and to share your story, because I think it's when women have the confidence and the courage to come forward, share their stories and to make it more normal to mm-hmm. speak about topics like this, that it's not something that the women go in the back room and have a discussion about and nobody knows what's going on. Um, mm-hmm. I think the more we talk about it, the more it will be understood that a lot of women are going through similar issues. Um, and so that we can be that great support network for each other. So thank you so much for sharing your story. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm happy to be a part of your show and I'm glad to have been had the opportunity to share it. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you so much. How exciting that our episode just 18 months or so later can end in such an amazing celebration. Um, We are celebrating with Trisha and her husband today that their baby was born healthy um, and that they are just experiencing the joys of new parenthood today. Thanks again for listening. As always, you can find us on all of our social channels at Down There Aware, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, TikTok, Facebook, all the places. Um, Head over to our website to listen to other episodes or to read the show notes from episodes. Um, That's www.downthereaware.com. And if you have episode suggestions or if you want to send us information that you'd like to hear or that you would like to discuss with us, go ahead and send us an email downthereaware at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Thanks so much for listening.